0: One by one, Satan strips Job of every good thing in his life, his family, his finances, and now his physical health. Will he continue to praise God in the middle of his trials? And what can we learn from Job about trusting God when it seems as if everything we care about is slipping through our hands? Well, that's what we're talking about today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, and before we begin, let's welcome Through the Bible's President Greg Harris, who's here to share with us what's happening at Through the Bible.
1: Well, what's happening, Steve, is that God is at work through His people to get His Word out in amazing ways. And we want to talk about today the importance of something, a word that we take very seriously, and that word is... Partnership, partnership yeah. yeah,
0: and a little different spin on that. You know, normally we talk about partners, ministry partners that are doing the Word of God or, or going out and translating the work and and that. But right. I, I really want to turn our attention more to partnership as it relates to. You. Yes. The listening audience. <laughs> and it, we've just been so encouraged. A couple different examples that come to my mind is I was recently at a pastor's conference and there was a, a woman who was serving coffee and I wasn't even getting coffee. I walked <laughs> by and she actually recognized my lowly face from a picture, <laughs> wow. which when you do, when yeah. you do voice stuff, that's kind of weird. This lady's <laughs> calling my name and just had a wonderful, delightful conversation with, uh, I believe her name was Elaine yeah. and just how she loves through the Bible, how she knew about our recent trips yeah. like to Uganda. She wanted to know how you were want to know if you were at the conference as well yeah. and I said no he's he's not at the conference. So just such an encouragement yeah. and she I've been praying and you know it gave me her McGee story how she's been listening for years and the the lady next to her who was also serving from another caraft a Jewish lady <laughs> who is now a believer She got turned on to Through the Bible because of Elaine. So thank you for both that advertising and for the prayer and all of those people are doing. And then my mind goes to a couple in my church, Carlos and Idurna. They are Cuban. They were both born in Cuba, came out of Cuba, and they love. And he always, Carlos always mentions, every time we read a letter from a Cuban listener, he is so encouraged by that. And he is just such an encouragement to me because I see him on Sunday mornings, and he's talking about what we were talking about during the program for the week.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it it does kind of amaze us. We sometimes like say, wow, people are actually listening (laughs) uh, to us. In fact, I said before we started, let's talk to the people that listened to us. And you laughed at that (laughs) because, because, you know, there's so many words out there that, that on the radio and the internet and everywhere, but, but we just want to express the reality and the genuineness of our Mm. gratitude and our sense of obligation to those of you that, that this is your ministry, okay? Yeah. It isn't Greg and Steve's or Greg and the board it, It's yeah. or the staff. This is the listener's ministry, and we have more stories than we could tell time of our listeners who connect, create a ministry themselves. Yeah. Oh, here's one that hit my email box today. Somebody said that they've gotten two reports that somewhere in Florida, there's a huge billboard that says ttb.org, really? okay? And you know how expensive those Uh, things are. I looked at
0: doing it for my business and I'm like, I can't afford that. You can't afford that. that.
1: And somebody cared enough to put TTB.org on a billboard. And I had heard that over the years, but this is a fresh testimony. And so remember the one where the person was hiking and they saw a rock with (laughs) TTB.org?
0: That's, okay, don't be (laughs) defacing anything in the national park. I know. We We always have to, nobody wants to. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's always our, our, you know, caveat there. But look, the bottom line, what we just want to say is we value and we, need you as a listener and as someone who supports prays for perhaps you support it financially in any way you can be part of this ministry by just encouraging someone else to listen
0: yeah and it's not just about through the bible it's they're going to get into god's word in a way that they never have before i mean yeah dr mcgee is going to be the the driver of the of the proverbial bible bus but you know what they're going to be getting into scripture themselves and the holy spirit is going to use yes dr mcgee but primarily scripture to Teach that person and to and to give the the work of sanctification to them, and that would just be such a gift that you could you could be a part of giving to someone by sharing the word yeah. through the Bible. I think about our Bible. Uh, bus I passes. was going there.
1: That's great, great minds. I love that. Yeah, I was going to say if you haven't heard about our Bible bus passes, we have one that shares the the ways that people can listen. Yeah, it shares the way uh, you can get the gospel to somebody, and then there's a third that is uh, the booklets that Doctor McGee. Yeah. But but the one we really like is that Bible bus. Past, yeah. where you can invite someone to listen
0: yeah so it is very encouraging to hear all of these ways that that uh, you folks are interacting with us let's pray heavenly father we are so thankful that you are such a faithful god that you will make yourself known and you will make a way for people to come to christ i pray that you would continue to do that and that you would continue to use through the bible in such a significant way in so many people's lives to disciple them and grow them in their faith but also lord for those who happen to listen just either on radio or because a friend told them, that you would have an impact on them and call them to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for this ministry. Thank you for your salvation that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
2: Now we come to our study here today, and we're back in scene four. We're back in heaven, by the way. And we find here that the Lord called Satan's particular attention to Job again. He said that this man still serves me. You said if I permitted you to take away from him everything, why, he'd turn his back on me, but he hasn't. He maintains his integrity. Now, verse 4 of chapter 2 of Job. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. You know, Satan is accurate about many of us, that there's a chink in our armor, that there is that Achilles heel that we've all got. There's that weakness. And when we get right down to the bare bones, why we all cave in. But, you know, God has said to us that he's not going to permit any temptation to come to us. Yet we're going to be defeated completely. But he always will, with the temptation, make a way of escape for us. And he never lets us bear more than we can stand. We ought to recognize that. And I don't know who you are, where you are, how you are. But wherever you are, why, whatever you're going through, God is able to sustain you. And he's not going to let you bear more than you can bear. That's a great comfort. I do not know what a day will bring forth. It could be tragic beyond words, or it could be a delightful, wonderful day. But whichever it is, God says, I'm going to enable you to get through it. Your armor will stand up. I'll see to that. And that's a wonderful thing to know. And Satan is a liar. He's a liar here. He says that Job, he'll give anything for his soul. And so what happens? Satan says, but put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he'll curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he's in thine hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Satan leaves the presence of the Lord. Now scene five comes before us. Now he smites his body with sore boils. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Now, this is the fifth scene that we have before us. This man, of course, is being tested in every department and every part of his life. And actually, what Satan is attempting to do is to break him down, you see. He's lost his finances. He's lost his family, and his physical body is now being attacked. And there's seemingly no human explanation for the trouble of Job. It's not a punishment for any sin, and it's senseless without a proper insight. And that's the reason God gives it to us, at the beginning of the book, so we will understand. Now, what was happening to Job was for a lofty and worthy purpose. There was a good and sufficient reason in the eternal counsels of God. And when all the facts were in, all the facets considered, God has a purpose in that. It was discipline. You can say it's good for Job. Well, it's like the old chestnut. You remember the father whipping little Willie and told him, says, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And little Willie says, yes, but not in the same place. That's true here, by the way. It's good for Job, but his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not ours. And we deliver our children from suffering. We prevent it. We give them everything we can afford to make life pleasant for them. And we spoil them. And we've got a spoiled generation today. A man said to me some time ago, I regret the day I gave my boy a car in college. I'm sorry I did it. Now, the day came when Job realized that there was something good was coming out of his experience. But he did not understand that at first at all. And it was good for Job. Now it was for the glory of God. God's character has been impugned. Just think of that. I think the creatures in heaven, all these created intelligences, shuddered. the sons of God when they heard this creature, Satan, cast that aspersion on God. You're not worthy to be loved. You have to pay him to love you pay Job to love you and serve you. And that is, God had paid lovers. He had to bribe Job. And that God is not worth loving because of himself. Well, are we time service? God's good. God's merciful. We rejoice in his goodness. But when we're under trial, that's when we reveal our true metal. by the way. You know, the fires always burn out the draws, And testing reveals what's genuine. And we're to be lights in the world. Light is for darkness. And he puts us in the darkness so the light will shine. Now, God never promised today any of his children, that they'd have an easy time. On the contrary, he promised a rough time to come. That's something that's difficult, by the way, to express. There's no pain. There'll be no palm. There has to be the suffering. No contest, no struggle. Well, There'll be no scepter either. It's difficult for us to bow under the awful hand of Almighty God. The reason Paul could say, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, what kind of trouble did Job have? We're told that he had sore boils, and he scraped himself with a potsherd. That is a piece of broken pottery. You see, now the scene's going to move down this last scene, takes place on the dump heap outside of an oriental city, out where they dumped everything. Job was out there, picked up a piece of broken pottery, began to scrape himself. Must have been terrible. There's been a great deal of speculation among Christian doctors just what Job had. I'd like to pass on to you what a couple of English doctors several years ago in London said. Dr. Cedric Harvey He suggested that Job, whose long-suffering affliction with a plague of boils that's described in the Old Testament, was a victim of psychosomatic dermatitis. Now, there's a good one for you. And the Word of God says he had boils. And this doctor says, and he's a Christian doctor, he has psychosomatic dermatitis. Well, that just shows what becoming a doctor will do for you. And that's a skin disease induced by anxiety. Well, I don't think that that's the explanation myself, but the doctor couldn't diagnose it personally anyway, so I can contradict him. Then Dr. Harvey goes on to say that, and this was written up in a medical magazine, that a study of the Old Testament points up Job's insomnia, terrifying dreams, general state of anxiety, now generally accepted, as symptoms of psychosomatic dermatitis, so when you have to scratch next time, you know what you got at least it's psychosomatic dermatitis. Now, some years ago, Dr. Charles J. Brim, a New York heart specialist, diagnosed job 's illness as pellagra, a vitamin deficiency disease. Now you can take your choice. I hope you won't mind if I just say had boils. And there's some of us think he could have had cancer, by the way. But now, whatever it is, this man is in real trouble. And I'm going to mention next time how Satan is moving in on this man and taking away from him all that any man in dignity rests upon in this life. Now, will you notice here, we are now introduced to his wife. And listen to her. Verse 9, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? And Job did retain his integrity. Satan is beating at that. He's beating him down where he doesn't even want to call himself a man, you see. But he says, Do you retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, that's a strange advice coming from a wife Apparently, she wanted to be a widow, but she sees the suffering he's going through. And probably it's a tender suggestion. Doesn't sound that way, but this is a suggestion. And she says, curse God and die. Now, there have been those that take the position that Satan, you note, did not remove the wife of Job, removed everything else. And why? Well, she wasn't any help to him. In fact, She might do the devil's bidding, you see. And he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. This man Job, up to this point now, has maintained his integrity. And now, actually, the book of Job begins at this point, here at verse 11. You have here now the integrity of the man attacked. And three friends, that is so-called three friends of Job, come to visit now and comfort him. And we should get introduced to them. Verse 11, and I'm reading it. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, They came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. Now, this, I think, is very important to see. First of all, Eliphaz the Temanite, we're going to get acquainted with all of them, by the way, He was a grandson of Esau. And that's in Genesis 36, verses 10 and 11. Now, Bildad a Shuhite. Shua was a son of Abraham. And that's in Genesis 25, 2, by the way. And that puts him, you see, at the time of the patriarchs. And then you have Zopher a Naamathite, and Naamah was in northern Arabia. So now we can locate places, and that, of course, must put Job in that area somewhere. Now, these men come to mourn with Job. And since I'm going to say some very ugly things about his friends, I think probably we ought to say what we can say good about them. And they were friends until this happened. And this experience alienated them from Job and the reason was they did not know God, nor did they know why God does certain things. And I think that's the reason that even today many of us ought to be very careful about trying to explain why certain things happen to other people. We have no right to say, well, now God's let that happen to so and so for this reason. And then we generally tell the people the reason and it isn't always a good one. Well, how do you know that's the reason? Now, these men were just as sure as we are today of why certain things happened. But they were entirely wrong. But they were friends of Job. And you'd say to me, well, how do you know? Well, listen to them. Verse 12, And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle, sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Now these men had heard that their friend Job was in trouble. They didn't dream that it was as severe as it was. These men, the last time they'd seen him in a beautiful home, children around him, fine sons and daughters. They saw the wealth of Job spread out there upon the landscape. And now they come to visit their friend. They think at least that he must be in his home. He must still have a luxurious home, but he's out there at the dump heap of the town where they empty the garbage. And he's scraping himself with an old broken piece of pottery. And... He doesn't have anything. It's all gone. Poor Job. And these friends, they were friends. They mourned. They wept. They howled. And for seven days, they sat down eh, and didn't say a word. They just sat with Job seven days and seven nights. I would say they're friends. That is, as far as they knew, they tried to be friendly to him. And they sat down with him seven days. Now, they mourn with him during this full week, but they were in no position to comfort Job. To begin with, they do not understand God. Second, they do not understand Job. And third, they do not understand themselves. You know, they merely just shake their heads in a knowing manner doing the seven days of mourning. There they sit. They shake their heads. They're mourning for seven days. But that shaking their head, may I say to you, that wasn't very good. And what we have here is this. Job comes in under, finally, their critical eye. These men, they're brilliant men. They're philosophers, all of them. Men in that day did a great deal of thinking. No seven days, they're thinking. And they all come to one conclusion. They come to it from a different direction. That Job must be an awful sinner for these things to happen to him and that God's punishing him, and he just better get his life straightened out. Now, that's the way that they come. Now, what we have here, finally, Job can't stand it any longer. They're beginning to shake their head in a knowing way, and that smirk on their face, "Uh uh-huh, it finally comes out, brother Job. You've been living in sin And you gave the impression that you were such a pious individual. And now we know that this has come to you because your sin is out at last. Well, Job can't take that. He could take everything else that happened to him, but he can't take this. Now listen to him. And the first discourses of Job, and listen to the heartbreak of this man. And we won't be able to get through all of it, but we'll get into this. And I hope it'll give you something to think about. After this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, There's a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness, let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. Now, this is beautiful speech, by the way, very flowery. But when you add it all up and you boil it down and strain it, what he says is this, I wish I hadn't been born. That's what he's saying. I just wish I hadn't been born. And how many times have you said that? Well, I'm of the opinion that Many of us have said that, especially way back when we were young. you remember something disappointed us? We said, I wish I hadn't been born. Well, that's what Job is saying, only saying it in poetic language. Verse 6, "...as for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day." who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me, or... Go before me, or why the breasts that I should suck? You see, this man really, he's saying it, and he's saying it loud and clear. I wish I hadn't been born. And that, very interesting enough, never solves any of the problems of this life, friends. Just wishing that you hadn't been born. I wish that you could die. You'll never die by wishing it. And you can't undo the fact you've been born. So you're wasting your time doing that. No one ever gets hurt, though, doing this other than it does let off a lot of steam. It does that for Job now because these friends are not really going to be friendly to him from now on. But we'll have to wait and see that next time. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved.
0: If, like Job, It seems like life is just falling apart, and you feel like giving up. Take Dr. McGee's word to heart. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, God will sustain you. You can learn more by downloading his digital booklets, Why Do God's Children Suffer and Job, A Man Stripped Bare, at ttb.org forward slash booklets, or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find them. I'm Steve Schwetz. I'll see you next time. And may God bless you as you walk with Him every day.
2: Jesus saves
0: Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?